This quote is a little bit long, so I'm going to just give the context so I don't end up reading half of the page. The context is that Ahmed Sinai has recently lost all of his skin color, and he's now very pale and white. I should say, in all honesty, that although he pretended to be worried by his transformation into a white man, and went to see doctors and so forth, he was secretly rather pleased when they failed to explain the problem or prescribe a cure, because he had long envied Europeans that their pig pigmentation. One day, when it was permissible to make jokes again, a decent interval had been allowed to elapse after Dr. Nalikar's death. He told Lilla Samarti at the cocktail hour, All the best people are white under the skin. I have merely given up pretending. His neighbors, all of whom were darker than he, laughed politely and felt curiously ashamed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another amazing integral episode of the Book Club Boys. My name, as always, is Luke, and also, as always, I'm joined by your, my, and the whole world's three favorite people, Max, Sam, and Adam. Fellas, how are we doing? Wow. Um, integral. Doing great. Integral episode. Integral. Yeah, that's hey, a big look, word. You know, everyone, Spell it out for me, please. Everyone <laughs> makes this just a very important part of their weekly routine, and everybody who does, we really appreciate you. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, thank you for, for all your support for the three listeners that listen to our show. Guys. Yeah, we're single-handedly keeping our friends and close family literate exactly. by having them read along with us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's not an easy task. Yeah, Dude, it's, it's hard not. enough to keep myself reading sometimes, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah. It's almost like we have the whole weight of like India on our shoulders or something. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say those are fair to compare. <laughs> Dude. Me reading fifty pages versus this fucking character having the weight of India's development. On I mean, his I'm shoulders. pretty. Look, let's be honest, dude. Fifty pages is probably the equivalent of like. Uh, 600 million random voices just getting streamlined into your right yeah. ear and not your left one, you know? I'd agree. Definitely the, it's like the equivalent of going without food for like, you know, eight, nine, ten days, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely almost as important as, uh, as... The bit's gone. I just was watching you talk your way into that corner, and I was like, no, 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 no. You're like, it is. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. Is he going to get it? I love that shit so much. I love just setting it up pre actually knowing what you're going to joke about, and then you just like. You're on the you're on the line for a big goof and you're just like a oh, fuck. <laughs> Bro, I mean that's that's like our entire lives though, is you just you just ride I, honestly. the goof line and then for the most part we just <laughs> succeed, but sometimes sometimes you crash and burn. Yeah. Just on the goof. Sometimes the goof, the line. goof line rides you, you know. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. That is for sure. <laughs> well, Adam, how you doing, man? What's new with you? I'm good, man. Not much. Um, the hair has still not been cut for those whiskers. No, but it, it, we might be getting close for a little trim. Oh, no. Don't how, how short are you thinking, like? Just so it doesn't touch my shoulders anymore. Okay. <laughs> Just like and then I'll trim it again in, like, a month. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. Just I maintain I, I a nice Jesus-like length. I dig it. It's it. You do look very. Um, he's just for context. He's wearing a Peruvian soccer jersey right now, and he looks very like, very soccer player to me. 
you know, very oh, yeah. like, <laughs> For like sure. this man could definitely be a, just a tall center back on some national team in the World Cup. I played left back actually, and has like a oh. huge social media following from whatever country he's from, mm-hmm. and it's just like you've never heard of him before until you see him in like the Olympics or that in the World Cup, and you're like, oh nice. He like busts out his beautiful hair, and it's like, yeah, he's actually third in the league in Instagram followers. And you're like, I mean, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> never heard of him. And did you know he does art on the side? Wow. So, Mm. Oh yeah, I had a little. I was at a little art craft fair this week and selling my art. That was pretty fun. That's awesome, dude. Was it? A, yeah, that was a, sick, dude. Was it a great success? It was. I planted so many trees. I'm planting trees with every piece of art that I sell. Oh yeah, I um, bought some baby. art from you. And you He's the yeah, tree father for me. <laughs> yeah, you, you got your tree confirmation. Sam. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> the tree confirmation. Isn't it fun? Yeah, it's super fun. It's really it had fun. a little frog on it, and I was like. I made a little home for this little little buddy. <laughs> little buddy. Dude, nice. Plug yeah. the link and we'll also put it in the description. Oh, oh yeah, nice. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad that one of us is creative. <laughs> I mean, it was a one in four chance, so I'm glad, I'm glad that somebody came through. <laughs> I mean, dude, we literally I, I, we, we create this together every single week. Oh, that's yeah. true. You know what I mean? Want to see true. what I what I made last night? Hell yeah! I, painted, I tried painting Mars. Oh. Mm. That's awesome. Nice. A little watercolor painting of Mars. Whoa. Like, I was watching folks Cowboy Bebop. And it's really Mars cool. And Cowboy Bebop. Oh, Cowboy Bebop is. Dude, you should draw some oh, of the drinks shit. from Cowboy Bebop, honestly. Like, some of the drinks and some of the food and shit. That'd be, like... Ooh, okay. Be vibes. Yeah, Cowboy Bebop Cowboy is Bebop. awesome. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and the soundtrack is just, like... Oh, so jazzy. so jazzy and awesome. So jazzy. <laughs> so jazzy. Speaking of oh, speaking dude. of pop culture stuff, have you guys seen Invincible yet? It's like that Amazon Prime. Yo, yes. Dude, no. no. What's it about? So good. So fucking good. It's like a Is superhero. It a show? It's a superhero cartoon, but it's like not your normal superhero cartoon. Think oh. Mark. Think. Well, oh. It's like it's like if you guys have seen The Boys, it's kind of a similar spirit to that mm-hmm. of like superheroes aren't quite as they're not not all superheroes are superman and thor and captain america yeah sure huh no it's it's super awesome and i would totally is it new like it just came out or it what? came yeah. out recently yeah but the whole the whole first season is out so you can just binge the fuck out of it which is honestly that's just the move i always make because i just am so late on most trends that i just <laughs> like whenever i get around to it everything's fucking out and i'm just like cool this is awesome <laughs> yeah just, like, yeah like, have you guys heard of yeah. have you guys heard of the office <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah, have you guys heard of this little show called breaking bad it's like pretty good there's like six seasons or something I'm on, like season one and a half and he's a pretty cool guy nice family man you know i really like the moral the whole moral great family man. where he's trying to provide for his family but he's also dying so he's doing some like you know not so good things, but it's all for the family, and it's just really, it's really cool. I really wish his wife was more understanding about it. <laughs> oh, Skyler, dude. Skyler, oh, dude. Don't even want to dive into that one That's That's one of those, like, the older you get, the more you realize that Skyler is really right. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. When you watch it in, like, freshman year of college, you're like, man, she doesn't get Walter's, like, Man, man. doesn't she understand that what he's doing is for her and the kid, man? (laughs) And then it's like, huh, my husband and wife was, like, cooking meth. I'd probably freak out. (laughs) Yeah, well, cooking cooking meth and not really telling you about it. And then, like, definitely, legitimately going insane. And just, like, like, fucking empire. Being a murderer and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, you know. 
little yeah. little tough there. A little tough there. <laughs> Speaking of unhappy wives, let's talk about the book. Oh my god, <laughs> so many unhappy wives. So yeah. many unhappy wives. <laughs> We're like oh 0 for 10 on marriages going well in this book yeah. so far. There yeah. has there been a good relationship yet? I don't no. think there has. <laughs> no. Definitely. The moments before well, Nadir Khan got kicked out of the basement, I guess. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there were some moments here that I'm sure we'll get to where it seems like our author, Salim, like really loves his wife, Padma. Well, but is oh, she, yeah. is she the wife? I don't I, know. I thought she was just like, I don't fucking understand. Is he like hiding, you think, or some shit? I, I don't know and if she's, was, just, she's, gone, she's just like, but. But anyway, Adam, she, she is just like, I'm out of here. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> hit, us, hit us with that good, good summary real quick. All right. So our first chapter for this for this week was Snakes and Ladders. And shit starts to get bad. Um, first thing that happened. Oh, well, last chapter we ended off with um, our guy, Ahmed Sinai. Uh, all of his assets, including his his down under assets getting frozen. <laughs> so now he's just like pretty, pretty depressed. Um, it's, they, they talk about it like a sickness, but from my point of view, I kind of just think he's really depressed. Um, and, you know, Amina doesn't know what to do. So she writes a letter to her parents, Adam Aziz and the Reverend mother. And their response is to just like get over there right away. Even though she wasn't asking them to come over, they just like head over to the house. Um, Reverend mother is back. She's she's center stage. Yeah, yet again. And is center stage at the Metropolitan mm-hmm. State in prime. I love how prime. it's not a visit. They just they literally just move in. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like hey, yeah. we could use some exactly. help. They're like, all right, we're moving in. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's okay. like these characters are back. <laughs> the audience <laughs> wanted them back. Um, anyway, then it seems like Ahmed's getting a little bit better, um, but he's still just like not quite right. Then there's this whole incident where there's some kind of crime. There's this wanted man, and the whole family is like, we just hope that he's not Muslim. And then that man ends up being found on their estate. The police show up. It's a whole thing. Um, then oh, fuck, yeah. baby Salim gets sick. And, you know, Dr. Adam is back in the, in the story now. So he's, he's tending to baby Salim. And he's like, yeah, this kid's going to die tomorrow. Oh, and I, I just realized something that I missed. A doctor, a new, a new character shows up, this snake doctor. And people, there's all these fun rumors about him. Like, people think he's, like, half man, half snake. Yeah, because he, um, like, he's, he's got that sort of, like, the tongue. Harry, Harry Potter, like, tongue flick thing. Yes. He would be in Slytherin for sure. Yeah. Right? For sure. <laughs> um, he ends up showing up to young Salim's deathbed. And is like, hey, I've got this cobra venom. It's going to kill him or it'll save his life. And Adam's like, fuck it, he's going to die anyway. So they give him the cobra venom and he lives. Yeah, I like Which, that. you know, not a huge surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really quick to just As he's narrating the book as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the crime that was discussed was the assassination of Mahatma Gandhi. Right. And then that's why they hold up just hoping that it wasn't like a Muslim name. Because if a Muslim person had killed Mahatma Gandhi at the time, that like, shit probably would have popped the fuck off. Right. When it was already super tense. Yeah, when it was already like, you know, they're creating a whole new fucking nation out of India to try and just shove all the Muslim people into. So so anyway, just, just wanted to throw that in there real quick. Yes, thank you. That Gandhi is important. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, a little bit. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, Salim survives. Uh, then we start the next chapter, and Padma is gone. 
we're we're outside of the main story for now. We're back with old man Salim. Um, and he's, he's like a little disturbed by this. He's like everything's out of balance. I'm having a hard time writing, but like I have to continue anyway. Um, so he continues. And the next thing that happens is that, um, the younger sister is born brass monkey. And boy, is she a delight. Boy, is she a fucking uh, monkey, dude. I actually really like her character. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, her whole thing is that like, she's the devious one. Salim is the good one. Uh, her favorite thing is to set fire to things, especially shoes. She mm-hmm. just is like setting everybody's shoes on fire. And everyone's just like, oh, that brass monkey. Reverend Mother just, like, cannot stand this child. She absolutely hates her. Um, and there's this weird thing that I didn't quite understand where she likes setting fire because she has red hair, but then she grows out of this phase and her hair turns brown. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a little magical realism in there. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's classic. There's true. also <laughs> this whole part where Amina uh, is just, like, the sickest horse gambler that the city has seen. And everyone thinks that she's, like, in on it with the guy who runs the track because he's one of her neighbors. But she's even better than he does. Like, she does not lose. And it's like, how did you guys say it before we started? It was like, she's willing us, willing the wins or that Salim is doing something. Yeah, baby Salim is, like, thinking so hard about her winning that it's actually happening. Yeah, he's, <laughs> At yeah. least that's what yeah. our and, narrator And says. I love how it describes her winning because she just kind of bets on, like, Oh, like, let's see, that horse has a cool name. I'll bet on that one. Or, like, oh, I like the jockey's pants or something. And she yeah, bets on yeah. that one. And this then, horse has a nice mane today. Yeah, that, <laughs> so that jockey, yeah, no that jockey looks like a friendly guy. I'll <laughs> yeah. put all my money on him. <laughs> yeah, and then there's this whole bit where they start talking about Salim's nose. And to me, it's really interesting because he's not actually the descendant of Adam Aziz, the OG giant nose. Um, and, (laughs) uh, Salim's dad, who does not have this giant nose, is like really pissed off about it. He doesn't like it. Um, and all of his friends call him Sniffer. (laughs) Important stuff here. Uh, then Salim starts hearing voices inside his head and he doesn't really know what it was. Doesn't know what it is. And he thinks that he's like the next prophet, the next Muhammad, and that, and you know, the story goes that the next prophet after Muhammad is the one who's bringing the story of the end of the world. So his, so he gathers his family very formally, tells them this news that he's the new prophet, and they totally chastise him for it. They get really pissed off. They're like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. Get out of here. And he's punished. And even his sister's like, yo, what was that about? Like, I'm supposed to be the bad one. Like, why are you doing bad things all of a sudden? Reverend Mother, not a fan. She hates it. He also gets, like, thrown through a glass table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, like, deaf in his left His dad just straight slugs him in the face. On that side. Like, just absolutely flies into the table. Yeah. Just wild. Yeah, he... Some pretty tough punishment. Then, in our final chapter, we learn that he's not actually a prophet. He's just a telepath now. And he's able to read everybody's mind. (laughs) (laughs) And at first, it's really stressful because... There are so many different languages being spoken, and so people are thinking in all these different languages. So he doesn't really understand what's going on. But then he's like able to, you know, refine his powers. Um, Professor X probably helped him out there. <laughs> Stepped in. He probably went to Xavier School, um, <laughs> and he's able to focus. Now he's only like listening to languages he can understand, and then he's like, "Oh wait, I can read the mind of my family and like learn all about them." And he goes into like a little hiding place where he uses his telepathic abilities and kind of like hones them. Um, 
And then he starts kind of just like traveling India through people's minds. And it's actually a pretty cool scene of him like going to all these different places. He's like reading the minds of people in the film industry, then politicians, um, and just like getting all the information and kind of just like knows about everything that's going on in the country all at once. And by the way, he's only like eight or nine years old at this time. He keeps saying nearly nine. Yeah, um, I which I think that. is funny because it's definitely like how a kid would say it like oh I'm almost nine years old <laughs> yeah. they're not eight years old like I'm almost nine years old yeah yeah. Um, yeah is there anything I'm missing at the end here oh uh, Amina starts thinking about Nadir again mm-hmm. that was interesting yeah so that was like that was a whole fucking thing so he likes to hide in like the wash bin no. or something like that and we just lost Max he just disconnected. He up and just abandoned us. But um, I don't know. But so he's he likes to hide in like the dirty clothes bin, basically, which they keep in their bathroom. And then there's been this whole like telephone sequence where his mom keeps getting these random telephone calls that are like, and then she just says sorry, wrong number, and then hangs up after like t- kind of talking in like a little hushed voice and stuff. And so then i'll just I'll, I'll just use this as my high because i thought this was like a really interesting like sequence and i think it really kicked off the rest of the book in a way um not that not that i really enjoyed the content of it if that makes sense because it's a kid in the laundry basket of the fucking <laughs> bathroom watching his mom end up like touching herself to her old husband who keeps calling her on the fucking uh, phone yeah. which was like fucking uh, what bro. yeah that was <laughs> yeah, that was, was really bad and then the shock of that makes him snort up a snot bubble that opens up pathways in his mind so that he can fucking telepathically connect with anybody in the fucking at least in india all right i don't know if it's the whole world but at least in india he can connect with them so it's like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) i also love how um the brass monkey and uh salim like when they answer the phone they he's like oh i need to order a a truck for this and that yeah and then like they say does he ever wonder, like, why the trucks never show up? <laughs> and then they're like, little kid moment. Yeah, and then, like, and then maybe the, the trucks he was do like, show up. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, showing up, dude. <laughs> like, they're just organizing some random, like, imaginary trucking business. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, with, like, no addresses or I also love that their phone number is only four digits. Yeah. <laughs> Back oh, yeah. in the fucking day, dude. Are you kidding me? 7642. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so... So the... Let's let's try to break down that, like, the tele- telepathy stuff, I guess, first. Because it's... To me, it feels like that's... Wait, wait. Wait, sorry, Luke. I just have to step. We can cut this if we have to. Okay, yeah sure <laughs> did i read just an extra chapter oh my god did you not stop reading when you saw love in bombay no i did i did stop. I, I, I did just stop. i, I didn't okay. summarize the whole part where okay. uh, dr narlicker dies okay yeah that's and fine then... that part was whack as fuck so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doc, yeah should i i can get into that if you guys want. it sounds like max Sorry, wants to get into it a little bit yeah okay max you know let's I pivot just let's pivot action. max what's hit us with your high and your low real quick uh, I'll be fast. Just kidding, I won't. But I, I'll try. <laughs> oh, no, I, I'll say I will. Um, I think that my low... 
I mean, it's hard not to go with the scene where he ends up just watching his mom like take a dump. Basically, it's pretty tough. That she was she was doing a lot more after, than taking after, a dump, well, dude. I thought that she like she like you know spanked it a little bit and then went to take a dump, and he just had to watch the whole thing happen. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure that she, she like she definitely jerks it, and then afterwards. and then it's like a more like a more natural desire came over her, and then she like drops trow and just like bends <laughs> over and like gives him the full view. He sees the mango butt, and he's like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. mangoes again, dude. Yeah, fucking yeah. calling yeah. it a black mango, and then he brings it up like later in the chapter or in the next chapter to yeah. where it's like her covered black mango or something like that and it's like yeah dude, was why so great why you gotta do her like that man like <laughs> come yeah. on <laughs> yeah i know seriously um i think that i'm gonna go with there were a bunch of highs that i liked kind of like the quote that i read where it was these really great sort of um i guess like explicitly stated motifs about how the wealthy class in india is like emulating the british and they're like becoming physically whiter but they're also like engaging in a lot of the same shitty business practices and treating everybody like shit i thought there's a lot of that which was good and interesting but i think my, my favorite my high of the of the chapters was definitely when dr narlikar and um ahmed sine are like getting drunk together and sine is like listen doc my dick doesn't work, okay, man. I, I I'm not into women anymore. And the doctor gets like all excited because he's like he also isn't into women. The gynecologist who doesn't like pussy, like, he hates kids and stuff. Yeah, and he's like gets all excited and he's like, oh nice, like now we can focus on like making money and like doing cool stuff, and not like women. <laughs> yeah, and, he's like, and then he says okay. they they do a toast and he goes land yes love no <laughs> i was just like that is such a universal dumb dude type of joke that i really enjoy it <laughs> yeah and then the, the salim's dad is like yeah sure <laughs> like <laughs> doesn't just, really he just wants him. to get on the money scheme which he ends up getting excluded from absolutely out by the doctors like tons of women who are those like his former lovers like our homeboy says he hates like he hates he hates fucking but then these like hundreds of women come and they're like grieving hard by his dead ass body well i thought it was like i thought it was like women he had helped get a like give abortions to that came Mm. back and were like thanks a lot but you were kind of like a fuck I didn't really understand, mm-hmm. honestly, because he says before that, he's like Dr. Nardikar, the gynecologist that hate kids and was also like a big misogynist. And I was like, okay. And then goes on to explain how all of those women just like showed up and like just took over his orphanage or his nursery, nursing home, basically. So I wasn't clear if it was like they were coming to grieve him in like a, a fond, thankful type of way, or if they were like, thank God this fuck's dead, like, let's just like roll <laughs> back in. Shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, out. it wasn't very clear <laughs> to me. Yeah. No, I, I'm not sure either. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> like, I, it feels like it, the way I guess I read it was it felt more to me like he was like, yeah, dude, fuck sex. Like, we don't need sex. Let's just make fucking money. But then he like, was still smashing on the side i guess that's like yeah that's how i kind of took it but that i could be fucking way off there not the first time i could for sure see that yeah but um (laughs) what we should what we should mention is also like the way that he died was 
fucking... That was like, so when I read great. that, that was like the most magical realism thing I think I've ever read in my fucking life, dude. Yeah, like, man, I love that so much. Yeah. I like, love how so, he, he shows up and like all the people are worshipping the tetrapod. Yeah. He's, he's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. get out of this here. This is my life work and it's not a religious monument. That's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a scientific fucking achievement. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah, yeah and he's like saying shoves it over <laughs> he just he, his hands get stuck to it and he gets <laughs> just like just squished <laughs> and then his body so glows good. so brightly that you can see it from the surface of the water <laughs> yeah yeah that was a nice little like <laughs> super magical ass yeah and then when they dump his ashes they don't sink they float and they're glowing yeah. And they say like, "Oh, I wonder what fishermen." Think yeah, yeah, like that's. <laughs> oh, you like, know what? Oh, that's gonna scare the boys out of the water. Real <laughs> I definitely found my low, which is also kind of a question. I'll just do them both, so I can just get them out of the way. <laughs> There's a moment when he's explaining everything about his sister, the brass monkey, and how she is always looking for attention, and she's like always the problem child, but that his like friend like tries to talk to her or something tries to like hit on her his his friend sunny is like hey i like you you're cool mm-hmm. and she like hates him <laughs> and he talks about how once she gets the attention she like spurns it immediately and like doesn't like it and then just so casually he adds in <laughs> is it your fault is it your fault if they think you're so great question mark and then in parentheses he goes but when Years later, I made the same mistake as Sunny. She treated me just the same. Mm-hmm. And I was like, excuse me? Did you? Are you telling me that you hit on your sister years later? No, Is that what I that think that's that supposed was, to read as? I think, so, so I think that was either, it, there's two possibilities, right? He either told his sister that she loved him and that clearly didn't go over well. Or he's referring to Padma when okay. he brought up love with Padma and then she was like fuck you I'm out of here because that's what sure. happened right and and he said right. something along the lines of like her loving him so it's a little different but like <sighs> I, I it felt like it, that might have been a Padma reference to me well I fucking hope so because it just slipped in there <laughs> and I was like dude what did you just say and I like, went to the next paragraph and was like bro what the fuck is going on <laughs> see it's like so many of those where he's like oh well like down the road like the cat does, in fact, get run over by the train. And you're like, what? And then he's like, yep, can't tell you now. Sorry, bro. And then he like goes somewhere else. So yeah. he's like, yeah. yeah. My sister said no to these flirtations. But like when I did it to her a couple years later, she said no to me too. And I was like, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> That's fucking weird. <laughs> Dude, so that was, um, that actually is kind of a good segue into Milo, which was all of his fucking like, all of his like foreshadowing things and everything and everything there's this one which i'm just gonna read and for for everyone in the call i think you'll know exactly why i'm reading this um years later in pakistan on the very night when the roof was to fall in on her head and squash her flatter than a rice pancake amina sanai saw the old washing chest in a vision that's yeah. so ripping off the fucking first line of 100 Years of Solitude. It, like, hurts my fucking soul. Yeah. Oh. It's yeah, literally the sure. same thing as, like, like two decades later when he was facing the firing squad, uh, Aureliano would think of the time his father to bring ice. Or, like, like that's the general gist of it. But, like... Yeah. And, and to be honest, Max, after after you mentioned that your... Uh, was it your cousin? 
uh, was talking oh, about my aunt. your aunt. Yeah, after yeah. She, you were like, yeah, she's kind of like, yeah, it's a really good book, but it's like people think it's like way too similar to 100 Years of Solitude. I like read that line and I was like, fuck me, dude. Really? <laughs> like, are you serious? That's what we're going with? Like, <laughs> so, I know, man. Uh, so I, it's not just that, like, it's not just that line that's my low. It's more just in general, like, all of these far out kind of like things that he keeps referencing and i know it's like for artistic purpose and everything but it just feels like there's gonna be a lot of big mama moments boys and we just got to prepare ourselves for having a bunch of fucking big mama moments where there's something that we really really want to understand that we're just not ever going to get the fucking chance to and yeah that sucks I feel like at this point in the book, I'm kind of getting desensitized to those Mm because like we're about halfway through and I just don't even like register those barely anymore. I'm like, oh, here's something that's foreshadowed that I mean, I'm halfway through the book and hardly anything that has been foreshadowed has actually happened. So I'm just going to ignore that and think it's just kind of this weird, funny thing and just move on. (laughs) Because like really the only things that's happened is he's got powers and... Uh, I mean, that's, I can't think of any other ones. There's been a bunch of India stuff. There's been a bunch of India history stuff that's happened. Yeah. Which, has been which, cool. <laughs> which is also really funny that he, at one point in the last chapter we read, I think towards the beginning, he's kind of like, yeah, he's saying on page 190, he's like, <laughs> he's like, Am I just kind of trying to rewrite the whole history of my times purely in order to place myself in a central role? Question mark. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. Are you? <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> that seems like it. Please clarify. Because <laughs> that was right after he realizes that he gets the the order of things wrong. Yeah, he's of like Gandhi's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, yeah. I'm also just kind of like, pretty much uh, losing my marbles all the time, and I'm like, this is a constant thing where I'm just kind of like kind of confused a lot of the time <laughs> like all right so we can agree that the narrator is not very reliable at this point yeah 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 that's dude, another thing honestly. i wanted to bring up for the fellows because i i read that and i was like yeah that's like <laughs> i was like okay bro <laughs> yeah. like give me a fucking break i wanted um, to say i oh Sorry, I'm going to just jump right into my low from there since we're kind of like bitching about (laughs) this stuff. (laughs) Bitching about shit. (laughs) Bitching about just like, you know, Salman kind of doing things that are annoying. Salman. 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 But on page 171, he's like, oh yeah, Padma's missing. I really miss her. Like my poop goddess is gone. All this stuff. (laughs) And he's like, and then he literally says, okay, she's missing. That's it. I won't talk about it anymore. And then he continues to talk about it. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I wrote on page 191, 10 pages, or 20 pages later, where it says, but if only our Padma were here. I literally wrote, enough already in my book. <laughs> so I was like, dude, we get it. Padma's gone. You don't have to say, if Padma were here, she would say this. If Padma were here, she would do that. I'm like, you are the author. You can bring her back. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, just, just either stop talking about Padma or what she would have done or like, Bring her back into the story. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, she's gonna come back for sure. She, yeah, she no has way to. she doesn't, right? Yeah, but like, just the so. reiteration over and over again mm-hmm. after saying 
that's it. I won't talk about it again. It's really yeah. frustrating. For yeah, me. Dude, and yeah. Like, from a reader perspective, we mentioned it before, but Padma was like a really awesome way for him to bring in just a lot of interesting like concepts and shit, if that makes sense. Like like having her there as the foil to uh Salim's like whole like I am the prodigal son and I hear fucking voices and then she's just like I am a poop flower and that's an awesome <laughs> thing and like you know like yeah. get to the fucking point already like those things the foil that she provided there and then also just the voice that she gave the reader where he was like I bet they're gonna be pissed about this thing I'm gonna put that in the book like that was hilarious dude like that, their interactions were fucking awesome and then like now that it's gone I don't know if it feels this way to you guys, but it almost feels like it's like a darker time for him now because she's not there. Like, and I'm not, and I'm not just saying that like in the present, but I mean that like he's going over a part of his life and that part of his life feels like heavier to me because it's not broken up in the same way that the history of his family was. And mm. I don't, I like, you know, this is, he's fucking nine years old. He shouldn't be feeling heavy shit. You know what I mean? Like, he's a For little sure. he's a little dude who should just be, like, playing cricket. And then, I guess, seeing people cheat on their husbands because everyone wants him in their house. And he's a fucking <laughs> memory savant. He remembers everything. You know what I mean? Like, shit like yeah. that. Like, but, um, yeah. So, I feel like it just feels, like, heavier and denser to me to read it right now because of that shit. Right? And I'm still really enjoying the book, for the record. But it's just, like, it, it's just not broken up in the same way. And I feel like Padma was kind of, like, a really a really useful and fun way for the author to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that was very intentional. Like, she's gone. Now we're going to talk about some sad shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And there's that page where he, like, is explaining what it's like to hear everybody's inner thoughts all the time. And he goes, like, two pages without any paragraph breaks. And he's just explaining, like, he just gives you what it would be like for Salim. And I thought that was, like, cool and, like, an effective way to explain it both in words and, like, as you're reading it, you're, like, breathlessly trying to keep up with all the thoughts that everybody's having. Um, But it's just interesting, like, I wanted to mention this a couple minutes ago, but I apologize, Adam, but I don't know how much you'll be able to add. But you did read some of 100 Years. But, like... For me, this, the way that Rushdie has, like, used magical realism feels way different than the way Marquez used it. And I feel like, for me, personally, I prefer the way that Marquez used it, where it was, like, so casually a part of the story that you just don't even think about it. You're like, this is funny, but whatever. I feel like Rushdie, it's, like, a more conservative version where stuff happens that's pretty weird, like his testicles freezing or the guy's body glowing when he falls into like the water. But I feel like what you said, Adam, where the deep freeze could easily be read as just like a deep depression. And it feels like Rushdie's magical realism is like closer to realism than Marquez's is where Marquez is like, yeah, baby, whatever. It's all happening. I don't give a shit. And Rushdie's like, it's happening. But like, if you think about it enough, it's going to make sense. And I'm kind of not about that as much as I am. Just like the like hands off the steering wheel, big mama's shit. I like that a little bit more because I feel like it adds this density to the book that um, it, it, it's not, I enjoy reading it still, but it's definitely like a little bit harder to process, I think. And he also, 
the pacing it feels like sometimes he just fucking goes hard and he's like boom 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 a bunch of events happen ah oh, fuck like i miss padma man my life was hard but i'm also the center of the world but i'm not but who knows yeah 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 and i'm like, like i don't know man that's like a little bit hard to keep up sometimes Dude, yeah i i agree with you sammy where it's so many moments where he's like oh like i'm the most important part of india lol and then the next sentence he's like but maybe i'm just a dick i don't know and i'm like yeah man i also don't know yeah. i think that was really a really good synopsis of the different types of like magical realism right and i think that the way that like marquez uses it in 100 years of solitude which if you haven't gotten the fucking vibe yet read that goddamn book it is so fucking good um it's like (laughs) look adam's just saying that because he didn't do it with a good a good group of boys or yeah you gotta do it with a group of boys like i still have luke's copy of the book i can see it from here it's crying see the book like maybe like I'm only about like halfway through. Oh, yeah, well, it, it pains my soul, dude. That that yeah, it hurts. But anyway, um, <laughs> like the way Marquez uses magical realism to me, it's it's all this magical shit happens and it's made commonplace so that the beauty and like the description and like everything that he talks about is all about like real human life shit. And what it does is the commonplace magical stuff, like it shows it brings out like the magic of normal life more if that makes sense like you have absurd shit happening like there's this troop of gypsies that show up from time to time and they have magic fucking carpets and all these weird gadgets and then you have a dude who yellow butterflies follow him around everywhere but when they talk about the yellow butterflies following around everywhere it's about like he's in love with this girl in the story and it's like, she'll see a yellow butterfly and like, know he's there. And it's like a sign that he's like close to her and it like comforts her and shit, you know? So it's like the magic in Marquez's writing. If it was used to like make normal shit seem magical and bring out like the real beauty in everyday life. This, I don't know what the fuck that's there for. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, to me, it doesn't serve a purpose as much as that, right? And I think further down the line it will, but it just seems kind of like it's more of, like, an allegorical type thing where it's, like, all this kind of crazy stuff happened to me and my family and, like, I was a part of it. And it's, like, to describe India. And it's, like, cool. That's awesome, right? But the, like, I feel like there's more of, like, the emotion of it that this is a little bit missing for me that 100 years didn't miss, if that makes sense. Yeah. I definitely agree, for sure. It's like a... <clears throat> I don't even know, man. I feel like... I feel like this is the kind of book that would be really great on, like, a second or a third read when you you know kind of, like... I just feel like it's a lot to digest on the first go-round, especially when we don't know where it's going to end. And I feel like once we find out, like, oh, at the end, he turns into dust and blows away in the wind, or there's not closure about these certain events... I'd be able to go back and reread it and find a lot more in all these little references he makes and all these clever little anecdotes he adds and stuff. And I'd be like, oh, this makes more sense. Because like you said, Sam, there are so many things where he's like, oh, this is going to happen in the future. And then I'll get to a page and I'll read a sentence where he's like, yeah, I told you this was going to happen. And I'm like, oh, nice. But I can't really remember what the connection was to. But I'm like, I'm just going to trust you, whatever. I feel like if I knew more about the story 
already and I went back and read it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, like, yeah. Rushdie's dropping bombs <clears throat> left and right. But it feels like a lot like how Selene is probably feeling with all the... Yeah, I think also a lot of it, if, like, <clears throat> if I knew more uh, Indian history, it would also connect a lot. Oh, sure. And we did also say that when we were reading um, Hundred Years about Colombia, because there were definitely some things like that. But the fact that, like, this is based in an actual country and, like, actual places that are concrete, like Bombay, instead of, like, this sort of imaginary city that could be in Colombia, like, like Marquez has his, it's kind of like, you really have to, it's like, in 100 years, there's a lot of connections to basically any Latin American country, but here it's like very concrete. India, this is what's happening at this year, at this time, yeah. like mm-hmm. this month even. And um, yeah, one of the, based, just jumping off of that, uh, there's the part where he says that he went uh, into the mind of like one of the prime ministers <laughs> and how oh, he knew before bro. anybody else that he drank his own piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, at that what guy, the fuck? and it's true. He's a real oh, guy. No. He's a real prime minister of India. And it wasn't like he kind of presents it as this, like you know, kind of scandalous. Like, oh, he kind of just like every once in a while sips on a little glass of pee. <laughs> but like yeah. in reality, I looked it up, and it says that he like legitimately had this idea that like drinking your own pee would be like a health cure for like people in <laughs> india and he s- suggested it for people like the street urchins who like couldn't afford a doctor that he was like yeah i mean it's good for you sometimes to drink your own pee, pee. bro <laughs> that's like, so that heinous. was this like way of thinking he prescribed to which is so weird to me what it's like india's version <laughs> of pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah just, yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> drink yourself up by the pee glass oh, dude. <laughs> so that sort of stuff he's like he throws that in there and you could like either be like oh that's a weird kind of like crazy thing that he magically made up and then it's like it's actually real (laughs) you have to like you know do that research which takes a lot more time and kind of distracts you from the main story yeah well so now that's got me thinking i'm trying to pull this up now um he, he also mentioned about the other politician who was sitting in, like, finalizing the, like, five-year plan or whatever it was. But oh, yeah. they were, like, using astrology to, like, try and, like, oh, yeah. make that happen. So I wonder if that was more real than just a random thing. And, and he, like, roasts him so hard. He's like, they didn't even have any fucking teeth. I was like, oh. He's <laughs> like a bunch of astrologers with no teeth. Damn. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know what? Oh, real quick before we before I go off. Um, did you do your highs and lows, Adam? No. Did, did, did everybody else besides? I haven't done a high yet. Go ahead, Sin. Okay. Um, let's see here. I, I'll just go through a couple of, like, highs that I had, because um, that's what I usually do. It's just have, like, a few little nuggets that I really like. Um, little nuggies. Little nuggies. There's uh, the description of Salim and how ugly he is on, like, page <laughs> 174, <laughs> which is God. really funny. And it's just, like, <laughs> he calls him, like, a gasping goldfish. Yeah, because <laughs> he always had to breathe through his mouth. And then he said that his nose bloomed like a prize marrow. 
and uh, that I thought was really hilarious, and also how he brings it back, and he's like, I never told anybody that I was deaf in my ear, because I figured my parents were like, he's already ugly, and like, can't breathe, and has a big nose, <laughs> so, like, and bowed legs, so I, I couldn't bring it up, it would be the, like, the straw that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> so funny, Yeah, so that was pretty sad, but also hilarious. Um, and then, let's see. The I also had a good quote on page 191 about sort of like the heat of India. And um, what are you trying to do, Allie? I gotta do some work <laughs> in my computer. <laughs> chronically out Scrounging of Scrounging around. My girlfriend is chronically out of battery. Get out of here, Pat. <laughs> you know they... <laughs> hey, someday, someday we'll be wishing for Padma back is all I'm saying. <laughs> I already do, dude. I always read her as Padme, and then I'm like, I love Star Wars, so it's a great little connector for me. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah. I was like... It was about the how... Um, yeah, it says, But the tropical summer grows stranger fruit as well. The exotic flowers of the imagination blossom... To fill the close perspiring nights with odors as heavy as musk, which give men dark dreams of discontent. I was like, ooh. Oh, yeah. Where you're just ooh, like baby. super hot, like ooh. laying in bed, and you just like get these get these thoughts in your mind. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're like, it's always the yeah. late night can't sleep thoughts, dude. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Oh, uh, well, he has, he said something too. Don't even get started. He said one that was. It was, I think it was right next to where you just read that, Sam, where he's like, the heat only breeds, like, fussiness and, like, lust. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's yeah. pretty funny. And it's also, like, a lot of wars and, like, revolutions and all this stuff happen during, like, the summertime. And I think, I think even Gab Garmar said something about that, where it's like, maybe not, but, yeah, I don't know, yeah. it's just, like, a common thing where it's like, people get really... <laughs> when it's hot out it's time to fucking bust yeah. out the pitchforks baby <laughs> i mean cr- crime goes up in the summer there's that joke of like to to as an example of why correlation doesn't equal causation that ice cream sales correlate with murders yeah yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they also correlate with drownings too yeah oh nice <laughs> yeah yeah uh really quick to just hop back into the astrology thing as far as oh, like yeah, the yeah at least the the founding of india itself i don't know how historically accurate this is all right because it's not like it's not on like a super trusted source or anything but apparently mountbatten lord mountbatten or whatever the fuck he was called mr white guy who decided the day that india was going to be like a country um chose august 15th because it quote like resonated with him in like an epiphany or some shit like that. Uh, and then a bunch of Indian astrologers got together, like, and they fucking hated the idea because it was like a quote-unquote bad day. One of them even wrote to the guy saying, quote, for the love of God, do not give India her independence on August 15th. If floods, famine, and massacres follow, it will be because free India was born on a day cursed by the stars. Whoa. So that Holy shit. is why they made the compromise that they would be granted independence in the midnight hour between the August 14th and 15th so that it wouldn't be huh. on the bad day technically. But then, of course, that led to 
our good boy Celine being born at midnight and shit. So just a little interesting thing. And then there's this other little blurb that talks about there's apparently India is like very, very, very into astrology. Like astrologers uh, influence people making important decisions like whether they should buy property, uh, make investments, like get married, like what days those things should be happen, like filmmakers releasing films, like which day they should release the films and stuff because of it being like a good day or a bad day astrologically. So wow. interesting little tidbit there. And it would seem at least to make sense from that story that potentially they would want to uh that they would want to like use some astrological shit to try and uh to try and figure out the five-year plan when the first five-year plan might not have been you know well it, it seemed like it went well for commerce but otherwise maybe not so yeah maybe not the best yeah like, uh, anyway that the moon is not speaking the truth you know <laughs> he's just chilling <laughs> Okay, I have one more small high that I'll just do real quick. And that was, um, I really liked the part where Selim was afraid that he wasn't actually special and that he just has like these, like, oh, yeah. you know, these great expectations that never actually come to fruition, which is also just a very relatable thing as a child. For where, sure. Oh, you can be whatever you want. And then, you know, you, you just don't know what you want to be. So then you just feel like you're letting everybody down. And then yeah. I really like the quote. <clears throat> where he says um about that sort of like you know purpose he wants uh something which at the appointed hour would float down around my shoulders like an immaculate delicately worked pashmina shawl and i'm like yep <laughs> nice and then, and then later when he actually gets his power he's like the shawl finally fell down about my shoulders and i was like oh, hey yeah. nice way to go <laughs> he has, like, does a lot of that so like jumping jumping around being goofy mm-hmm. so, damn, bro. Around being i wonder what his goofy. notes looked like when he wrote the book it's, freaking, like, <laughs> oh it's like that meme with the guy from uh always sunny where he's like looking at the whiteboard always <laughs> <laughs> oh, got all the strings going all these yeah. directions yeah. Yeah. Uh, that uh sam your high leads uh nicely into mine I can jump in. Um, I thought it was like really fascinating how nearly nine Salim, as Luke was kind of talking about earlier, he's like kind of like down in the gutter for a while before he gets his powers. And he's like, like Sam's high, he's like dwelling on his purpose. And it's like stuff that just nine year olds don't worry about. Um, <laughs> and then he gets his powers and then he's using them to like eavesdrop on politicians, which is like not how I would expect a nine year old to use his powers. So then where my high comes in is when he actually uses his powers to like cheat on his school exams to make his parents happy because he's like not doing super great in his parents' eyes these days after his false prophecy and his ugliness. Um, So he wants to bump up his grades. And I just just love that he finally like acts like a nearly nine-year-old and uses his power to like cheat on tests by like, you know, using his telepathy on the teacher or like the smartest student in the class. I was just like, all right, cool. Like you're actually a kid. You're not some like prophet or whatever that like thinks he's hot shit and needs a purpose at nine years old Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very human (laughs) very human yeah it kind of brings him down to earth a little bit i also love how there's this 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 fucking child named cyrus the great who's like a super (laughs) turbo genius he's like at one point he like talks about how smart he is and it was just so funny to imagine him being like nine years old he's just like 
super mature and like super smart. He's just like a little adult. And even Salim is just like, holy shit, this fucking kid. Yeah. And Salim, he gets into this whole thing of like, I didn't copy it exactly. I, you know, I copied it enough so that I could do well, <laughs> yeah. but not so that they would know. And it's, it's just like, dude, anybody yeah. who's been through middle school, high school is like, no, exactly. Like, yeah, you can copy my homework, but don't make it look like you copied kind of thing. Yeah. Salim yeah. is, is on that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Dude, that whole, that whole sequence, and um, I forget if it was Max or Sam that brought it up, but that whole sequence of him just, like, traveling around and reading everybody's different minds and shit was just... That was also another one of those moments where it's like, this is a lot of stuff that a nine-year-old should, like, not really be exposed to. Oh, for sure, <laughs> bro. It's like he says that, too. He's like, there's yeah. a lot of adult like thoughts that were going through my nine-year-old brain and i was not prepared to deal with them <laughs> like his dad like fucking fantasizing about every secretary he has I was yeah like, the coca-cola oh, girls fuck. yeah and like his yeah, uncle like, being oh. like super sad that his dude oh. his film business is failing yeah dude that was the oh, most man. brutal and, he, and he's like so empathetic that he's like kind of depressed on behalf of his uncle yeah yeah dude that was really brutal i did love that part max mentioned earlier where it's like this real stream of consciousness of like reading people's minds across the world where there's no paragraph break paragraph breaks or anything i feel like that is like flies around it's like when if if you're really like reading minds all across the country you're going to be super overwhelmed and just like bombarded with information and that's kind of how i felt reading that section yeah exactly and like all of it was so all of it was like real human shit too. You know what I mean? All of it was like, I think everybody at some point in their lives has felt like, if not all, most of these emotions and had most of these like types of like grieving thoughts. And like, it. I feel like it was, it was really well done where this is, you know, right after me saying that in Gabgarmar that he actually used the magic in the magical realism to highlight really human shit. This was a moment where Salman Rushdie did that, right? Like sure. he used the whole telepathy thing to give you insights into the struggles of every single person in the book, basically. And it was just like, it, it was just really well done. And I definitely really liked that. And I think that it was really relatable in a way that, you know, everybody who's reading it with us, I'm sure one of the people at least, who's going through some shit they're like wow yeah been there dude definitely been there so yeah for real oh i just was reminded sorry it's like pretty much all through the book he's made references to um like how eating food cooked by certain people affects you oh dude and i have been so into that where like reverend mother's food makes everybody bitter and like fussy yeah and like eating amina's food makes everybody or eating mary's food makes you feel super guilty and like (laughs) i like that a lot like people cook their emotions into their food and then give it to people it's like you can't just cook it with love like you can cook it with like you know shame fussiness yeah yeah (laughs) and guilt on top of that too it's it happens with the clothes that his aunt um aliyah sews for them too right oh yeah because oh, yeah. she sewed the clothes for them and he's talking all about the like the like old maid's anger and shit that she has from her husband being stolen by uh salim's mom amina right <laughs> oh and, oh that's right and on top of that talking about like there's that whole revenge thing in there somehow which 
now that we know that her house falls on top of her somehow, like, how's that going to manifest? You know, like, what yeah. the fuck is that going to look like? And so, I don't know, man. Hopefully it's just, we find out. Just a lot of, it, I'm sure we'll find that out. That feels a little too integral to the story. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and, and Max, I feel like that kind of references um, the idea of like generational trauma a little bit too, where it's like the trauma oh, nice. from your family gets passed down through generations, whether um, there's been studies that show like it's actually baked into like your DNA, <laughs> like, yeah. like trauma gets baked into your DNA. And even if that's like, you know, even if that's a pretty crazy concept, you can just think about the way that like the characters interact with each other and how it rubs off on each other. And that like influences the way they interact with the world. And that like is in a way generational trauma getting passed down from person to person and making them interact with each other and with their lives differently. And it's like, that whole kind of like cyclical thing that's also very hundred years of solitude just while we're on that the whole cyclical nature of things and like families but you know it it is an important point that needs to be said like if your family like doesn't deal with shit shit like doesn't just go away you know and it's gonna manifest down the road and like it's yeah just go to therapy everybody you know everybody should just go to fucking therapy <laughs> i guess is the is yeah, what we should say kidding. <laughs> well boys do you guys have any anything else you wanted to add i uh, actually did, did, did your oh sorry no no oh, i did a high I, my low is very brief I, I can just tell you guys my oh, low is yeah. just that reverend mother just came back into the story i thought we were done. <laughs> <laughs> she's back and i'm i'm not happy about dude, it that's my i know bro. she's, she's a so resilient fucking, fucking fortress she's resilient dude. she's, she's a resilient. strong woman but boy is she mean dude, that <laughs> line, she really is, that line about ridiculous. him like her being so wide that when she sat in like armchairs they like groaned in pain <laughs> and then also yeah. fucking little salim just telling her like Maybe you should get up to walk around a little bit. And then she, like, does that, and it actually, like, like, wow, I'm better. (laughs) Walking just gets healed. It is. I also love how every time he talks about her, she's, like, he makes some reference to how much she's grown horizontally. (laughs) (laughs) Just always roasting her. I think the saddest part, bro, is just the way that his grandfather is, like, so defeated. It's, like, he basically has just given up on everything except for, like, I can't remember what it was, but there was one specific thing that he, like, refused to give up on. And he makes some mention to, like, yeah, he uh, let Reverend Mother do everything else that she wanted, except for this one thing, which, like, he somehow managed to resist, even though he's about to die or whatever. I was like, oh, fuck. It's, like, so brutal. Yeah, no, that was... That's, like, such a sad dynamic, too. Just going back to, like, we've, we've mentioned it a few times. I've mentioned it a few times, at least. Um... The whole idea that like are we gonna get one like happy relationship in this book and like that relationship started off real fucking happy dude like they were the whole like run up to that thing and the whole like puppy love and the whole you know seeing a butt cheek through that little perforated <laughs> sheet man like yeah it meant a lot and like, it meant so much that like years and years later when that sheet was eaten up by moths and shit he was like what the fuck is this which also is a reference to him seeing her as her whole self and everything and not actually loving her as her whole self because the 
sheets torn away anyway whatever i just yeah. i thought i thought of that because <laughs> i was i specifically said when i was reading the chapter i want to say that in the podcast and i remembered i didn't say that so a little <laughs> nugget for like three weeks ago right but um but yeah that's that's good stuff i had i had two things that i wanted to bring up really quick the first is um just just to keep it a little heavier uh musa the servant stealing and then like getting oh, sent yeah, off yeah. and like it being because he was feeling like really threatened by mary Pereira and stuff mary Pereira is just bad fucking news for this family man because remember remember at the end of one of the chapters or was it the end of the book one i forget where it's like moose is a ticking time bomb and like when he goes and then he comes back that's when shit really goes down so now yeah. he's gone and we just got to wait for him to come back and for some like fucked up shit to happen again, kind of because of Mary Pereira, who has just had her little Christian nubby fingers and all of this shit. But, um, but, um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and this is like, Sam, I wanted your, I wanted you to comment on this because it's the, it's the film sequence about kissing the objects that the other person kisses, which was super cool. And that's like a legit thing that they did in cinema. And, like, it just reminded me so much of the old, like, American movies where right when, like, these two people are, like, coming together, they would show, like, a train going into the tunnel to be, like, oh, they fucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, the camera pans away and you're, like, you know what's happening over there, but we're looking over here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and just, like, the whole, like, I don't know. It, I don't want to call it prudish because I feel like the, the kissing and the objects thing is, like, I feel like that has like a sense of romanticism to it, but like, you know, just showing a pencil going into a pencil sharpener is like <laughs> meaning like they, they fucked later is a little bit different to me, <laughs> but sure. But as a film guy, Sam, I don't know if you like had any comments on that or if you've seen that kind of thing in a film or anything like that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the first thing that I would comment on is just like the fact that because film is so like accurate to real life. I feel like people have an extra sensitivity in cultures like 1950s America or, you know, um, 1950s India, where it's like, if you see somebody like kissing somebody else on screen, that's way more like, I don't know, visceral to those sort of like conservative cultures than like a painting would be to them. And it's kind of like, I think film's a unique art form in that sense that like, it is so new that like, when things that you had never seen before happen on the screen, you're like, whoa, they can do that. Which is just like, it's always just really fun to see how that like has developed. But um, yeah. And then also as far as like the, the, the fifties, like painting away thing, a lot of that was also because they didn't want the government to censor their movies for them. So like Uh, basically they were like, all right, we'll be in charge and we won't show anything weird. And like, that's also how like movie ratings and stuff happen is Mm -hmm. that like, they Uh. just don't want the government to be like, this is a government rated R movie. And then they're like, oh, well, I guess I won't sell as many tickets now. I'm screwed sort of thing. (sighs) But yeah, so it's, it's all about these like workarounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. interesting that's like it's it's also something that i hadn't thought about it's just like the visceral nature of film and it being so realistic because like you know when you think about like old school stories or like cultural myths and stuff and like i'm sure that there are hindu myths like this as well but just thinking about like 
you know, Greek myths and some of the, like, insanely fucked up stuff that happens in some of those myths. And, like, tortures, like, <laughs> yeah, like Sisyphus, like, pushing the boulder up for eternity. And every time it, like, rolls fucking back down. And then there's the guy who was, like, like chained... Well, he was like yeah. chained to the like rock or whatever it is, and then crows come and peck out all his organs every day, and they like regrow or something. Like that, <laughs> yeah, that's legitimate so shit from like old school times. <laughs> and like I would, it like most cultures have some type of myth like that, but they can talk about that because it's like history and stuff. It's like oh you know whatever ha ha ha. But then like when it comes to film and stuff, it's like hold hold up gonna yeah, yeah we don't whoa, whoa. we don't want to we don't want to you know like don't corrupt the youth yeah we don't want to corrupt the youth that's not us keep them pure <laughs> keep them pure if they if they see a single butt cheek oh my oh my <laughs> land oh, yeah. <laughs> well, god help me <laughs> yeah. fuck it but only only girls nipples adam we gotta specify yeah, right. these nipples are so non-erotic it like hurts all right but girls <laughs> nipples <laughs> <laughs> well guys anything anything else anyone wanted to add i was gonna the only thing i would say is just like i love the final scene of how the doctor dies with oh, his dude. like scientific creation being blessed by like this old old belief system of india and like him freaking out and there's one moment when he he's like oh and he gets he like won't let go of it and he gets pushed in and it's just like i could just you know what? i'll just like really quick <laughs> i just really enjoyed the way that he sets all of that up and i feel like he's hinted a lot at it and again like i don't know a ton about indian history um yeah just the way that he says like it was preparing <clears throat> because the first of its kind to enter the waters and begin the great work of land reclamation. Dr. Sharish Narlikar has his mouth opening in a voiceless A, clung to it like a phosphorescent mollusk. Man in four-legged concrete fell without a sound. And there's like a moment where he's like so horrified that they're tainting his like beautiful concrete. And I was like, man... It just made me think a lot about the turn of the century and the industrial revolution. And now I know Adam was recently up visiting and we talked a lot about like just the concrete, the world of concrete and like how butt ass fucking ugly it can be. And I just thought it was such a great description of like a lot of countries through the 20th century where it was like, they were always chasing after that. Like, Oh, like America or the United Kingdom is like this developed nation with like coal and like, child workers or whatever like it's so great and then it's like the old sort of cultural parts of the country were seen as holding it back and i just love the way that narla car basically dies for that one piece of concrete and like nobody really gives a fuck and then like he dies and nobody cares and then his business partner's like never even says his name again and it's like that's mm -hmm. basically all that you get for trying to like choose that over your country's yeah. heritage i guess i don't know yeah. i like that yeah well i think it's also about like the like and you touched on it just the rejection of kind of science and then like reversion back to like cultural beliefs and like religious beliefs and everything where like to me i feel like i see a link there with the muslim and the hindu tensions that we're clearly seeing throughout the book um and how they like turn into violence all the time and it's like 
in in a modern world where there's so much interconnection of and everything to me at least that seems like you know like who, who cares you know like yeah it doesn't matter and you're going to be interacting with people of that type of culture anyway whether they're you know on this side of your dotted line or on the other side but that's like a more modern like thought and that's kind of been being rejected consistently in the book um also i just looked up like mumbai land reclamation and it's a real thing too it's a real thing like oh they, really yeah they've they have actually been doing re- land reclamation i think it was first talked about in like the 1860s but then in like the 1960s was the big push towards it so the timing again checks out our man salman he knows his stuff dude he's got he's got dates down pat i gotta this motherfucker (laughs) dude this motherfucker did some research are you kidding me dude (laughs) oh all right guys well let's let's assign some reading and then uh and then be on our merry little way so we just finished the chapter all india radio um so we will read the next one, two, three chapters, Love in Bombay, My Tenth Birthday, and At the Pioneer Cafe. Ooh, we get the dirt. We get, nice, the, we get the Pioneer I'm Cafe. For this. Let's go. She's about to bust out that big mango. Just yeah, dude, that, that mango's getting tossed around. Let's put it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you'll stop when you see Alpha and Omega. Yep. Because I know oh, Adam yeah. loves that so much. Adam, how do you feel? <laughs> I'm fussy. <laughs> I'm enraged. <laughs> and I can't handle it anymore. That'll put us like halfway through the book, guys. We're like, we're, we're chewing through this thing. Chewing through this thing. These boys cooking. All right. Well, for the book club, boys. Peace out. Yeah, peace out, boys. And the listeners as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Bye.